listening to the Wonder Women of Aviation, a podcast that helps preserve the history of women in aviation and highlights women involved in aviation. Each episode, we meet with women, both in and out of the cockpit, to talk about their passions, experiences, the history of aviation, and how they make an impact. So strap in and hang on tight as we soar through the skies with these wonder women of aviation. The following podcast is presented for entertainment purposes and should not be used as flight instruction. The comments, opinions, and discussions provided by guests are their own. Please consult your own CFI for flight instruction. Knowledge and AC a person. Pronounce your name before, um, Carol that is, that is the big thing. Uh, French people, uh, sorry, English people. I'm French, of course. And, um... English people cannot pronounce the O-N sound in French. So I get pylon, I get plon, I get pilon, I got all kinds of things. But it's actually pilon. Pilon. Yeah. Oh, you got it. Good on you. Man, you just nailed it. So French people can't pronounce T-H. They always say duh or ta instead of the. And I just get all kinds of variations on on my last name, and I just go with it. Uh, my preference is Pylon because it's like you know the racing Pylon, so it's pretty cool. It makes like it's an air show name when in fact it's just a common French name. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, good. I'm glad I have it. I will. I'll get started with our quick intro to the podcast, and then we'll dive into questions. So. Welcome to Wonder Women of Aviation podcast brought to you by Extreme Flight and GN Air Shows. Today we are featuring Carol Pilon, wing walker with Third Strike Wing Walking. Carol, welcome to the podcast. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I know our schedules, we've been kind of messaging back and forth, and I'm sure you're super, super busy. So um, our podcast is going universal. Um, it's open to just a broad audience who are familiar with aviation, who aren't familiar with aviation. So I kind of want to start with a little bit about who you are. Who is Carol? I know a little bit about your backstory. You saw a commercial, it sounds like, which got you involved in wing walking. So take us back to the first time you got just interested in, in wing walking. Um, well, at that point in my life, I'd already done uh, my first jump. And it was so long ago that you could actually just jump out of an airplane all by yourself on your first jump. Now I'm giving away my age, so I'll, I'll leave that alone. I had bought my first airplane and I got my PPL or I was getting in the process of getting my PPL and uh, I saw wing walking and I did see it on an advert for a local air show. And, and that was it. I was pretty much done for at that point. I, I was in my mid twenties, um, hadn't, followed a continuing education because I wanted to bump around a while and find a direction in life. And uh, to my parents' great dismay, that direction turned out to be wing walking. Um, and, and then I spent, believe it or not, uh, seven years of my life hounding every wing walking team in existence on the circuit. And at that time, there were about eight or nine active teams. And I was unashamedly stalking them from air show to air show, wherever I could afford to go to keep my face in front of them to say, Hey, 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 you know, me, did you forget me? I'm still here. I still want to be a wing walker. 
And the prevailing thought was that I was too tall, too skinny, um, you know, all the, all the, I didn't fit any of the preconceptions of the wing walkers at the time. Um, so I kept getting bumped back, but eventually my tenacity paid off when in 2001, um, Margie Stivers just took pity on me and said, well, come out. I don't have a job for you, but I'll at least put you up on the wing to see if you like it. So I did that and armed with uh, the photos proving that, you know, I could indeed hang on to an airplane wing. I um, went back to harassing wing walking teams. And at that particular point in time, Jimmy Franklin was looking for a wing walker. And I was very fortunate uh, to be able to uh, get a ride with him for a couple of years. So I um, started wing walking with Jimmy and we did um, the Waco and the Jet Waco. And later we parted ways and uh, I became the first wing walker in North America to found a wing walking team. And I also became the first Canadian to found a wing walking team. And in doing so, I um, decided to train pilots to fly for me. And I've been doing it ever since. So I've used multiple pilots throughout my career and it's always been with the goal to propagate wing walking and wing walking knowledge. Um, but the pilots weren't picking up the helm. They weren't buying Stearman's and starting their own teams. Mm -hmm. So now I've switched, I've kind of switched my mentality. Now it's all about wing walkers. I wanted to train the future generation of wing walkers. And I'm thinking, well, I can realistically train somebody within two weeks to be a well-rounded wing walker, but I'm not teaching them how to be safe and take care of themselves or about the business. And I couldn't be there to help them from making the same mistakes that I made. And furthermore, I'm going to set them into an industry where I'm going to compete against them. So I'm like, how can I do this and keep these people safe? And then I finally just smartened up and said, hell, I'm just going to hire them. <laughs> so now I've got a bunch of wing walkers that work under me. And the hopes is to launch them down a path where they can go forth into the world and propagate wing walking on their own at some point in the future. So that's Girl, me. And Michelle. <laughs> wow. Girl, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and it's amazing. One of the things I think with this podcast too, and what I'm hearing from that response was mentorship oh. and one of the things I'm talking with ICAS about is how do we build up our industry, right? So as not only a female, but someone who is starting an air show announcing and going through that, it is hard. It's hard to break in and find people because you become competition in a sense from a business standpoint. How do you do that mentorship and that hiring and just that advocacy? Well, I ran in um, to one of my colleagues at ICAST and um, he asked me, <laughs> tongue in cheek, um, he's like, so how is your mentorship going? Have they stolen any shows from you yet? And I'm like, well, I said, no. He said, well, the people I've mentored have been stealing my shows from me. And I'm like, well, then you're mentoring the wrong people or you have the mind the wrong mindset to be a mentor. Um, 
when you decide to mentor somebody, not only do you want them to steal shows from you, uh, you make it so they can. I mean, your job as a mentor is to facilitate that. When I decided to embrace the mentorship program, I went in all in, all in, all in, all in. I'm not, I'm not going to be, oh, you, you can be my student just until you become annoying or a challenge or a threat. I, I'm, not, I'm not digging any of that. I just decided that this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it. And I'm going all the way in. It's, it's, it's bought. It, it's paid for. It's happening. Uh, we need more wing walkers out there. It needs to happen. And if that means at the end of the day that I lose show A, B, C, D, so be it. That just means I'm successful at what I've done. It doesn't make oh, a I whole lot of economic sense, but you know what? At some point, you just got to take the money out of it and start being realistic about what's happening. Right now, there are two active wing walking teams on the North American air show circuit with a third that is kind of in kind of out. And that's just not good for business. And I'll be damned to hell if I let wing walking expire on my watch. I, I can't abide that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really inspirational. And, and, you know, I think one of the questions I had is like, what is your goal? So you obviously just hit it right on the nose is you don't want to see wing walking die. Cause it's, it's an art that's been around since what the 1920s, thirties, oh it's been around since 1917 when some guy decided to get out on the airplane of his wing because he was fighting with his, like, uh, his superiors. I mean, he, he wanted to stick a dude out on the airplane wing, uh, to fire at, you know, enemy aircraft. And uh, they said, no, it can't be done. The airplane's going to be weighted wrong. You won't be able to control it. And he just went out and did it. Um, so yeah, that was Omer Locklear. And he did that as part of the Signal Corps, which of course, as you know now, is the Air Force. So the Air Force, uh, you know, had this big AFI that was really against wing walkers at one point in time. And I really got into a you know, heated debate about them. I'm like, no, this is your heritage. You should be proud of it. Every air-to-air -air refueling mission that's ever been accomplished in the USAF is because of a wing walker. I mean, they literally used to walk from one airplane to a transfer and refuel midair. That's how all this started. It is a beautiful heritage. And I want the USAF and all Americans to just embrace that. It's so uniquely American. I mean, you guys have something in your country because I'm Canadian, so I say you guys in your country, you have something that no other country has. Be proud of it. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, that is definitely something to be proud of. And, and it's such a shame that, you know, you said there was three, only three teams. Was it just female teams or three teams that are wing walkers? Three teams in total. I mean, if we get right into wing walkers, there are a whole bunch of them. Some of them are retired. Some of them are in, inactive because there are no rides for them. Uh, but I mean, like, take for an example, the Bealton Flying Circus. Um, they don't necessarily particip participate in the air show circuit as, as we know it, um, but they definitely have wing walkers. They have a whole bunch of them over there. So there are more wing walkers, but teams active on the circuit, two and sometimes three. That is crazy. What does it really take? Because you have 
your own team, Third Strike When Walking, which I want to talk a little bit more about your team and where did you come up with the name and, and what was the process involved in forming that team? I'm sure you had to kind of train and mentor and recruit individuals that you trust because obviously you have to trust the team that you're with as well. How did that start? Um, well, basically, I found myself without a ride and I was like, well, this is not the end of me. Um, and mostly I invented the new platform out of necessity. I mean, I get to wave my little flag of you who the first first. But I didn't want to be the first of anything. I just wanted to be a wing walker. And in order to keep wing walking, I was looking at the option of going back and hoping that another team would hire me or just making my own team. I'm like, like, why wouldn't I do this? Really? Is there any reason why Wing Walker can't own an airplane? Uh, so yeah, then I went, I bought an airplane and quickly found out that I bit off way more than I could chew. I was like buried right up to here. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Uh, but because I was smart or not prideful, I immediately asked for help. I asked for all the help I could get. Um, and thankfully, through no fault of my own, I managed to get the guidance, counseling, and to attract to my team people that had so much more knowledge than me. And then I shut up and listened to them. Um, it's no wonder I survived myself, quite honestly, those first couple of years. Uh, but I, I quickly got on the right page and had a lot of support from the people that I was recruiting onto the team. I was very fortunate in the fact that I was able to surround myself with teammates that were better, more knowledgeable, and more experienced than myself, and they were gracious enough to share their knowledge with me. I didn't plan it that way. I was too stupid to plan it that way, but it happened that way. And it made so that I could survive myself, all the stupid early mistakes that I made. And therefore, that's why I'm really intent on keeping my wing walking trainees close to me so that they can benefit from all that nonsense that I lived through and not make the same mistakes I made. And I picked some really level-headed girls um, and they're very receptive. So thumbs up on them. They'll do much better than I ever did, hopefully. Well, it sounds like they have an amazing leader and mentor. And I want to build on that a little bit more on the personal side of things, if you don't mind. Sure. Is there a certain language or communication style when it comes to wing walking between you and the pilot, you and your team, um, especially with some formation wing walking that you do? How does, how does that work all the way through practice, building a show or a sequence? Um, tell me about that communication style when it comes to wing walking. Okay, well, I'm going to just backtrack a little bit. I do not do formation wing walking as of yet. I mean, maybe when my other wing walkers buy their own airplanes, we can talk about that. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely in the plans for the future. But uh, I love it. Excellent. But what I do do is the mentorship program is a dual wing act. Um, so let's backtrack a bit. When it comes to me on the airplane wing with my pilot, we say 
five things to each other. Uh, and the way I talk to my pilot on the airplane is through one-handed signals. So this means hold. This means I'm getting in the hole. A slashing movement across the neck means knock it off. This means hook in, like hook onto my parachute, we're going down. Um, and what's the other one? Oh yeah, all clear. And that's also replaced by a nod of the head. So he will look at me, we have a planned sequence and we never deviate from the planned sequence of the air show routine. So he looks at me at a given point in time and says, go. And that means that the airplane is set up for me to move. So then I can move. There are two dynamics to an air show routine with a wing walker. In one scenario, the airplane's moving and the wing walker is locked down. In the second scenario, the airplane is stable and the wing walker is moving around. So we always have to make sure that we're dancing the same dance. So I don't release my hold until my pilot gives me permission to release the hold. The pilot is in fact in charge of the entire flight. I might be the boss of the team and pay everybody, but when I get on that airplane wing, PIC all the way, pilot in command. I hired that guy to be in charge of that flight and he does it. End of story. Or girl, because I have had several female pilots that I've worked with as well. But right now it's a guy. So we're going to say guy. Now, when it comes to debriefing time, I would say that the language is uh, brutal, honest, direct, concise. Um, if you're the kind of person who's going to have hurt feelings, you can't be on the team because I will make you cry almost every time. And that's part of the rules. When you come into the briefing, leave your ego, your sentiment, and your feelings at the door because what we're saying is not about you. It's not personal. If it was personal, these people wouldn't be on my team. I mean, they would have already been vetted and deemed inappropriate. It's all about the routine and making the routine the star of the show and making sure that everybody's on the same page all the time. I found personally that one thing that's pretty hard for me is when my pilot and two wing walkers are debriefing their dual flight, my job has become to sit in the background and not say a word. And oh my God, that is just, it kills me. It kills me deep inside. But at some point they have to learn the techniques and skills of communication as well. So at the beginning I was there every step of the way and, um, you know, I, I would interject uh, regularly, <laughs> more than regularly. But we've kind of reached that point where now I just kind of hover in the shadows and watch them debrief and not try to add too much. But yeah, I can never shut up. So that's a lie. Anyways, there you go. <laughs> You know, it, it's definitely a good thing that you have good communication, you know how to talk to each other. And honestly, you have to kind of just tell it like it is, which, um, you know, you did bring a, a point, which is kind of mental headspace. You also have to be in the right headspace to be in such a profession, because I'm sure there's some danger involved with wing walking. So I've seen a couple of your videos and I'm curious, um, what are your thoughts right before you climb onto that aircraft and you're in the air, do you just have a clear mind? Or are you thinking of your next move as you're, obviously you probably are, but walk me through that process. Well, whenever I'm at a show, like let's talk show because wing walking, when you're just practicing out in a field with nobody, there's no stress, no timeline, nothing's happening. Everything's cool. When I'm at a show and I'm getting ready to go, 
first, uh, let's understand that I've already checked the airplane. Everything's good with it because I'm also the person who in, puts the airplane together. I'm an airframe technician, so I actually ground haul my airplane and, you know, I rebuild it at show sites. So number one, I've put the airplane to rest, meaning I've done all my checks on it. I'm happy with it. We've test flown it. Things are good. So that's all behind me. I don't even worry about that segment of it again, unless the airplane is talking to me, you know, because your airplane will start talking to you if it's, you know, having issues. Um, if the airplane starts talking to me, I, I whip out everything I'm doing pretty quick and start listening to it. But okay, that's behind me. We've done our pre-flight flight brief because I, the pilot and myself always do a pre-flight brief where we walk through the routine on the ground and talk to each other and discuss, you know, the different scenarios of uh, ditching possibilities on the show site, uh, challenges that may be individual to that show site, as well as our regular brief. So we've gone through all that, that's done. Now we're sitting there waiting. We're on, you know, we're on standby. So we've warmed up the engine and we're waiting. At that point in time, I start going through some stretches and I start bouncing around a bit. And people have taken pictures of me doing that. And uh, what's actually happening is I'm, uh, I start to get a little psyched up and start to build up some adrenaline. And I, I, I don't, it just happens. It's like, I wanna go. I'm like a little pony at the gate. Like I know the gate's gonna open, but I don't know when because obviously I'm not listening to everybody that's talking because I don't have a headset on. Pilot knows what's going on. And if we're getting delayed, well, then I'm just getting annoyed and irritable and antsy. And then I start, you know, being a bit of a tool. <laughs> but uh, then we, we get going. And then when I'm actually into the wing walking, then it's nothing but the next move. I mean, I get on the javelin, we take off. And as soon as the wheels leave the ground, oh my God, smile painted on my face. Uh, I've seen too many videos now uh, before I wasn't even conscious of me doing it, but I didn't even know I did it. But as soon as the wheels lift up, big smile. Um, halfway through the routine, I might be cursing to myself because it's starting to hurt or I took a bug or I'm tired or my pilot's geeing me out too much. Um, but really, the only thing that's happening at that point in time is I'm in the moment and I'm living exactly what's happening and reacting to immediate things that are happening. I'm not thinking about my truck or my hotel room or the taxes I didn't pay or my business at home, I, nothing, nothing. The only thing I'm involved with is what's happening right now. So, I mean, it, it took me probably, it took me probably five, seven years before I even stopped and started to look around to see the sights when I'm wing walking. I, it took me a long time to detach myself to even that point where I would like look at stuff other than my next handhold foothold. Carol, you touched on a point that I've been dying to ask a wing walker and it's gonna be off the wall. Tell me about the down and dirty, I have to sneeze, I'm not feeling well, and I just took a bug. What? Wow. How, do, how do you process this? And do you ever sneeze? Is that a thing when you have wind flying in your face? <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. 
at 140 knots, everything in your sinus cavities drains. Um, sometimes you get off the wing and you have like raccoon snot dried rings around your goggles. Um, not pretty. Uh, that's why we wear black gloves so that you can like quickly do this and then go greet your fans with your hands behind your back. <laughs> Seriously, it's a real thing. Taking a bug is, um, it's nasty. I, I have a fellow colleague who took a wasp um, and it penetrated her thigh. So whenever somebody like, you know, cavalierly says, have three points of hold on your aircraft, there's a reason for that. If you take a bug, it, it'll penetrate you if it's a hard shell bug. Um, so that means you're going to suffer pain and a pain reflex is to protect that area. So you're going to let go whatever you're holding on to, to go and nurse that area. And, and if that happens at the wrong time, it could like literally endanger your life. Um, the bugs I've taken have hurt, uh, but I've never had penetration. And that's why I kind of switched to wearing long sleeves and long legs after a while. Before when I started, I used to wear um, like a gymnast tank, um, a nylon, uh, what do you call them? What am I, what's the word like I'm a, looking for? Almost like a leotard or? That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, Thank okay, you. good. <laughs> and every now and then you would get a bug in the thigh and the nylons just weren't cutting it. So I just switched to full legs and, um, yeah, little bugs just kind of explode on you. And people often ask, do you take bugs to the teeth? Well, you would just be toothless if that was, you know, a case. Um, rain, it's like somebody throwing gravel at you. If, and you're driving by on a motorcycle. It is hellaciously painful. Snowflakes aren't much better. Um, the one thing nobody's ever been able to explain to me, though, is why it's always the pointy end of the raindrop that hits me. That's a and, great question. <laughs> yeah. And the training process is nasty. Uh, when I train new girls, I, I mean, they are slaughtered in bruises. You've never seen a hockey player with as many bruises as these girls have when I'm done with them to the point where I will not allow them to wear shorts or skirts uh, when we're doing anything at air shows because I don't want the general public to see that because the general public doesn't need to see that. Right. It's not a glamorous part of being an air show performer. And after a couple of years, uh, you stop doing that to your body. Um, like, because when you first go up there, you're hanging on with a death grip. Sometimes it's the G's doing it to you, but mostly it's just yourself doing it to you. And, and I want them to be hanging on that tight in the beginning, regardless. Right. So other than that, uh, I guess you get to be a rock star and everybody's hero. So it's all worth it. Well, that was one of my questions. I'm like, it sounds like the way you describe it, like catch 22, it's such, it's beautiful, but it's painful at the same time. So why do you do it? Like, I'm painful. Oh my God. <laughs> and you said, I know wing walking is dangerous. You know, like so many people don't think it is. Oh my God, it is so dangerous. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like the air show industry has gone way out of its way to, uh, you know, give the illusion of safety. And it's not really an illusion. We work like mad people to ensure that we're safe. 
But come on, let's face it. You're walking on an airplane wing. Please. <laughs> Please. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of safety that's involved that you, you like you said, you kind of go through the worst case scenarios, but at the end of the day, you're, you're walking on an airplane, which is you're walking crazy. on an airplane still. <laughs> and um, I know from a safety perspective, I know you touched some points um, from your clothing and I know you're tethered and from even down to your shoes, you're very strategic and specific as to what you can wear or what your team can wear as wing walkers. I think I asked, uh, um, what's her name? Oh my gosh, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, I was like, well, what's her name? Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't wear heels. I think one of the windwalkers in the past used to wear heels. Oh, come on. That was Teresa. I mean, here's the thing with Teresa. First of all, she is wing walking on an AGCAT, which is an all metal aircraft. And she only wears heels when she's doing photo shoots. And she did it once or twice. But I mean, she doesn't spend her life wing walking in heels for crying out loud. <laughs> but you know, good on her for doing it. Yay. Yay, Teresa. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody showed up to training with high heels on my airplane, I would just say, yeah, bye. Catch you later. Catch you on the flip side. See you down the road. <laughs> don't hurt my airplane. <laughs> oh, God, no, don't ever hurt my airplane. That would be like, wow. I, I guess um, during an interview, it was so hilarious. Um, one of the pilots that came in to train with us, this was his very, very first time with the team. And um, there was a woman there shooting a sizzle reel. And she said, well, what would happen if you like crashed Carol's airplane? And he said, oh, just deadpan. He's like, I have absolutely no doubt that, you know, they would find my body 20 years from now buried in a shallow grave behind one of these hangars. And, and I mean, he was not lying. That is, that is more the truth than he ever realized. <laughs> but, you know, all jokes aside, um, the airplane as much as it pains me to say, is expendable. The human lives are not. Uh, whether it's my wing walkers, whether it's my pilot, uh, whether it's a test pilot, whether it's the audience, the spectators, the airplane is expendable. Um, human life is not. Right. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's what I'm gonna stick with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, um, <laughs> You said you own your, your own aircraft and you do a lot of maintenance on your own aircraft. Do you fly to shows or do you tow or you do you tow it and then put it together is what you said? Yeah, yeah. I, I put it in a 36-foot trailer. I take the stairman apart. I disassemble the empennage and the wings. Uh, the center section stays together. And uh, I haul it to aircraft with a um, one-ton Ford dually. So when I show up at an air show, I show up with this ginormous trailer and... Um, I need to get volunteers to help me put the airplane together. And I put together this little rig. So it's pretty cool. Um, and now that I have this, you know, extended team, uh, they also participate with putting the airplane together. And it goes much faster now uh, because they know how to put it together and take it apart. Whereas when I show up at an air show with volunteers, I, I could have, I, I normally ask for three volunteers because one of them is going to be no good all the time. And sometimes you end up with two that are no good. So you always have to get three. <laughs> Um, and I mean, they enjoy the experience and my job is to make it pleasant for them. But in the way of work ethics, a lot of these people have never been around aircraft, don't understand them, don't get them. And uh, some of them are limited physically as well. So we, you know, we have to take our time. And it, it's just, you know, a it's just nature of the beast. And I mean, I could complain about it, but 
the flip side is I get to expose some people to a really cool experience. Uh, and I mean, that's what air shows are all about, right? I just, you know, go a little further. At, at some point, what I would like air shows to do, because we keep talking about STEM and now it's STEAM, um, but I keep just begging them, get some students in to help me put the airplane together. I, I'm like, oh my God, how cool would that be? And every time I tell them, it's like, oh, that's so awesome. But, you know, when I get to air shows, they're never there. <laughs> it's always, you know, somebody else. Uh, but yeah, I, I do a lot of the maintenance on my airplane. I'm an AMP and I don't uh, do the IA, but I do my annual under the supervision of an IA. Okay. Uh, and when I'm transiting the aircraft, if something breaks, well, obviously I fix it. And uh, yeah, I would say I'm probably the chief mechanic of the airplane which okay. is a whole other level of stress. It, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. That's just like the scary stuff. To this day, and I've been doing it this way for almost 20 years. Um, to this day, when my pilots go out and do a test flight, it, it, it's like I just feel sick to the bottom of my stomach every time. And that's, you know, I don't think I'll ever get over that. And, and hopefully I never will, because I think the day I'm over that nauseated feeling, yeah. it, it'll be that I'm being complacent and I don't ever want somebody else to get hurt because of a mistake I may have made assembling an airplane. Right. Well, what does Carol do to de-stress? I know the air shows in general, and I know Brittany's probably experienced this too. It's a very kind of hectic environment at times. Um, you kind of get into the routine of things like you're go, 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 go. So what do you do um, at an air show to unwind or what are some of the techniques you do to kind of just zen? Oh, well, I can't really state that publicly. It's not fit for a uh, podcast uh, hearing. Uh, Let's just leave it to say I'm a wild woman and I live up to that. So there you go. Cheers. <laughs> and that's where it stops. <laughs> well, my next question is what, what what's one of the three items that are, are must-go items on an air show? So I already figured out one. Must-go items on an air show? I'll tell you what, it's not three must-goes, it's three don't-goes. If I have three things that are wrong, and if not any single one of them would stop me from flying, and not any single two of them would stop me from flying, and even if that third one wouldn't stop me from flying, one, two, three, we're out. Done. And I mean, it could be a little, you know, it could be little annoying things of, you know, oh, well, the radio isn't working right. I've been having problems with this latch over here in the airplane. I don't feel really good. You know, I'm a little, I think I ate a bad weenie or something. You know, I, when you hit three things, it, it's time to call a day. You're just out. And uh, weather. I will call weather all day long. Uh, I make no qualms about that. I have a 25 knot crosswind tolerance on that aircraft. And that's it. I'm out. Rain, I'm out. I, I, I'm not anybody's superhero anymore. I, I, don't, I don't try when walking in even slight rain anymore. And I mean, you can take a slight rain, but the fact is, is with the smoke oil we shoot, when that mixes with the wet surface of the airplane, it becomes a hellacious skating rink up there. And I just absolutely draw the line on that at any point now. And also our threshold uh, for what we'll tolerate in example, over water shows or remote show sites, also lowers. We get, you know, the more challenging an event is, 
the lower our threshold for tolerance gets on things that you know might be wrong or could go wrong. So we don't have a three must go, but we definitely have a three no go. Carol, I really appreciate hearing that. And I think, you know, that's something we, we don't always talk about. I think we kind of sidebar conversations in between in the air show industry of, yeah, I'm not feeling it today or I'm not going to go. And <laughs> um, what is, what's your one favorite part of an air show? Um, okay. Uh, I've, you know, I'm a very greedy little self-centered girl. I love wing walking. <laughs> I mean, the best part of any show for me is getting out there and strutting my stuff. I mean, I'm not, I could tell you, oh, it's the kids. Oh, it's the personal relationships. Oh, it's the family. Oh, it's the mentorship. Uh, now it's all about the wing walking. Always has been, always will be. I mean, makes me callous and uh, low life, but there you go. That's reality. Now. No, I think, you know, we have a lot of pilots that say that you'll get some announcers that say the same <laughs> thing. It's why we do what we do, right? So I appreciate the honesty and that's, that's why you're here. That's why we're excited to talk to you. Yay. <laughs> Definitely an honest answer. <laughs> um, going back a little bit to the type of aircrafts that you wind walked on, I, this is a two-part question. So how many different type of, types of aircraft have you wing walked on? And is there one aircraft that you haven't and you would like to wing walk on? I have wing walked. Let's start at the beginning. The first one was a Stearman 450. Uh, the second one, oh, and by the way, cute story. The very first Stearman 450 I walked on is the Stearman 450 I own now. So we started with a Stearman 450. Then I did a 450. 50 Waco, modified Waco. Then I did a Jet Waco. Then I did an Ag Cat, uh, 450 Ag Cat. Then I did an Ultralight, Quicksilver Ultralight. I did a T6 Texan. Actually, it was a Harvard that I wing walked on. Um, so I think, I think that's all of them. There might be more. I think that's, I think that's all of them though. Um, a T6? Uh, well, actually, the Canadian version of Harvard. The Harvard. Okay, got it. I was like, wait a second. What? That's well, it's awesome. an aircraft, uh, yeah. basically. Um, but what we were trying to do is I hooked up with the formation team, and they wanted to recreate the stunt that was done, oh, I don't know when, um, where I would basically connect all three aircraft. So I decided to put this and you know early on way before I even got my first chance to be a wing walker I designed this rig a stanchion that would fit into the back of a t6 easily adaptable to a harbor and when I got together with the team I was really proud of this design and they were like oh shit this is really cool and I'm like yeah now I'm going to explain to you why we shouldn't use it and they're like what I said well we have to jump through all these hoops and circles. Why don't I just tether myself to the inside of the airplane and stand on the wing walk or, or like the canopy laundrons? So I went and looked at their airplane and decided that I could do that. So I'm like, let's forget building all this apparatus. Let's just have me out there. And if everything goes really bad, then I'll be tied to the airplane, just getting beaten up and drugged behind it until we land, which you know is still very survivable, although not fun. 
And the other thing was, what happens if we have a midair contact? You're better to contact me, I'll move. If you hit a, you know, if you hit a piece of metal that's meant to not move in the airplane, then we could end up having a really nasty cascade involving three aircraft. So I'm like, yeah, let's just do it this way. So we did, and we went up and we tried it out and uh, we managed to get one on the wing. And I mean, so, so close to touching. Uh, but what would happen is where he was situated, when he moved over us, his prop glass would affect our, our empennage and it would push the empennage down and, and bring our nose up. So we just went up and scared ourselves silly about 20 million times. Um, well, not 20 million times, but you know, enough times to figure out that this was gonna be an issue that we had to figure out before we could move forward. And we just ran out of steam. So yeah, that's how I ended up doing that on a, on a Harvard. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so to get back to which one would I want to walk on uh, with Natalie, um, it would still be my aircraft, Natalie, but I actually want to set it on fire. I want to wing walk on an airplane that is on fire and in a controlled way, not like in the accidental way that I did at an air show once upon a time. Um, so I've devised a, a plan that I should be able to have flames dripping out of the bottom of the wings of my aircraft and uh, be able to wing walk on it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, we might meet, we might need to have speeds that are too high for me to be able to actually maneuver in, but at the very least, I'd like to like wing ride on my airplane while it's on fire. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm just picturing it. That's kind of cool because, you know, I just, I went to my, uh, my insurance broker with, with this plan and he's like, oh, well, cool, Carol, uh, just bring us the blueprints. I mean, that, <laughs> that's you know, that amazing. It <laughs> is crazy, but you did say that you would like to have fun. You're crazy. <laughs> I would never do that. I applaud you for doing that. That, that it's amazing. And, um, just to touch base a little bit about you. So you, not only you're a, you're a wing walker, but I've seen that you skydive as well. You're an artist as well. I've seen some of your artwork, which is pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. I, I actually, um, <clears throat> my real job, as you can tell, because I took the time to change after work, is uh, my family owns a chain grocery store. And I have to tell you, since COVID has happened, um, a job that I thought was, entirely unimportant has become extremely and excruciatingly important. And uh, air shows, I, I sat static for 2020 and I also chose to be static for 2021 uh, for multiple reasons. Um, not the least of them being that I kind of need to be here doing this because this is the real fight right now. Um, as we're progressing through all the different stages of COVID, it's becoming less and less important every day. But um, wow, uh, we got to a point where I had a woman crying on the phone uh, in relief uh, because I would bring food to her house uh, so that she could feed her kids. And I mean, that's, that's pretty damn sobering when uh, you know that your neighbors are at risk of starving because they're uh, you know in lockdown. Uh, yeah, um, so that's just what I'm doing right now. Uh, but the artistry has been happening since 2016. Uh, I actually use um, old airplane parts of mine. Like when I'm changing out airplane parts or fixing something or I break something, um, 
I'm using that and I'm finding a second life for it uh, through artistic installations that I'm making. And I'm also, you know, perpetuating love of my aircraft and uh, allowing people to bring a little piece of her into her home. Uh, so my airplane's going to live forever uh, through the art. Um, and it also, let's face it, I've always been creative and it's a really good outlet for me. And I've also started redoing furniture as well into aviation themed furniture. Um, I take nasty old china cabinets, worn out desks, and I flip them into an airplane scene. So that's been a lot of fun. And I, you know, I've, I've had a bit of marginal success with it. I'm not hitting it really hard, but I've done a show and sold a bunch of pieces. So I'm, I'm okay with it. And, and it's hellaciously expensive to buy one of my pieces. And uh, it's all cool uh, because, you know, I'm looking to I'm looking to find a way to uh, help pay for the airplane part that needs replacing. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely need um, some sort of monetary <laughs> income coming in to, you know, kind of pursue this and continue wing walking. So definitely. And for those that are wanted by your artwork, where can they find it? Uh, they can find it mostly on Facebook uh, through um, Carol Pilon. Um, I also have a website um, called carolpilo.com that has all my art on it, as well as thirdstrike.ca. I think thirdstrike.ca is, is the best one. You can also find it on gallia.ca, but uh, come to my website first because uh, I have to jack up the prices to deal with their commissions. And um, otherwise, you can just pick up the phone, give me a call, hit me up on Facebook, send me an email at wingwalkercarol.gmail.com all good ways. Oh, awesome. Well, we're getting the near of our interview. I just want to um, ask a couple final questions before we let you go. Thank you for doing this, by the way. I know oh, my pleasure. Busy. Um, what's next for Third Strike when walking? I know you said that with, you know, COVID lockdown, I think things are different, you know, in Canada. Um, what's next for you gals? And when's the next time we can see you in the sky? Uh, well, hopefully in 2022. Uh, I'm actually going down to uh, Florida here in October to have a mini conference with my pilot. And uh, we're going to discuss our future and what it's going to be like. Uh, but everything being the same, uh, we should be on the circuit and available for a hire at the very beginning of 2022. That will give us the time that we need to train adequately. Um, I got a couple of calls this year to jump in at the last minute. And if it was just me and my pilot, that would be fine. But it's no longer just me and my pilot. Now it's me, my pilot, and my trainees. And I refuse to rush them and uh, put them in a situation that is beyond them. We started training with Kelly in 2016. And then we had to stop because of uh, multiple deaths on the team. Uh, I had two pilots that year that... Uh, both perished in their own aircraft doing air shows. So I had to go back and focus on training a, a very solid pilot for the team, which we did. We found him in the form of James Lavelle, James Lavelle. And he is now the sole pilot on the team and is happy to stay there and uh, loves his position. Um, so then we started working on the wing walkers. So obviously Kelly had to stand down for several seasons and uh, we just brought them back in and started training Sam this year. And now again, we've been blocked for two years. So everything that I do with them, I'm gonna to have to start from square one, but I will be ready to do that for the 2022 season. 
wasn't going to push the girls before then. I'm like, you can't be a fledgling at this and then sit a year out and then scramble. I, I just refuse to do that to them. Too much pressure. Excellent. Well, we are coming to a close on the podcast. Again, this is Wonder Women of Aviation. It was such a pleasure, Carol Pilon, to have you here as our wing walker, again with Third Strike Wing Walking. So thank you for joining us at the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.